Get ready to journey to the scarab-powered world of a hero like no other. Jaime Reyes, the third Blue Beetle. Be vigilant, day and night. Hey there, nerdlings, and welcome back to my channel! I'm your host, Danny Sansasi, licensed cosmetologist and registered super nerd, and this is Comics and Cosmetics, the show where I spill all the nerdy tea on whatever costume crusader that I am obsessing about that week while doing my face at the same time while you nerds watch. Sit over. This week, as I told you just a couple seconds ago, we are diving into the vibrant world of DC Comics to unravel the mystery that is Jaime Reyes, Blue Beetle. But before we go any further, do me a huge solid and make sure you attack that like button, hit the subscribe if you're new, and make sure you have clicked that notification bell so you get notified whenever I'm back with another one of these crazy videos. If you would like to know the products that I'm using in this video or any of my videos, just check out the description below. I have not only listed everything I've used, but I have given you some handy links that will take you straight to that product. And while you're down there checking out the product links, why don't you check out all the ways we have where you can help support the channel? Trust me, I'm super needy. All right, without any more further pleading and begging from me, let's dive into Jaime. So Jaime Reyes is a Mexican-American superhero from DC Comics, debuting in February of 2006 in the Infinite Crisis storyline, in number three, actually, of the Infinite Crisis storyline, which is pretty effing wild, to say the least. Highly recommend. He was created by Keith Giffen, John Rogers, and Cully Hamner. Jaime is actually the third Blue Beetle, believe it or not. The first being Dan Garrett, who took like a vitamin, like vitamin 2X, but later was retconned when Ted Cord became the Blue Beetle. And Ted Cord didn't have any superpowers. Oh no. Dan Garrett did, but not a whole lot. Not to the lengths that Jaime 
has superpowers. Because once Jaime came around in 2006, they retconned that Jaime is actually the first one that the Scarab accepted and chose. Dan and Ted never really unlocked the Scarab. Ted didn't use the Scarab at all. He was more like a Batman, which is why Ted Cord was created. He was created to kind of jump on the Batman hype, similar to Green Arrow. So he had his bug ship. He had all kinds of gadgets, but he didn't have superpowers. Dan Garrett had some superpowers, but nothing like Jaime has, which is why Jaime is substantially different from his two predecessors. I mean, the first Blue Beetle came out in 1939. So yeah, some things are different. And to be fair, to be fair, the first Blue Beetle that came out in 1939 was part of Fox Comics. A couple years later, DC would go on that huge splurge and buy up all the publishers they could because who wants competition? A revamped version of Dan Garrett came out in 1964 by Charlton Comics. Sound familiar? We'll come back to that one. Yeah, Peacemaker, we'll come back to that. But they revamped him as an archaeologist and that he found the Egyptian scarab while on a dig. Later in 1966, we get Ted Cord, and he was one of Dan Garrett's students. And he decided he wanted to continue Dan Garrett's legacy of crime fighting as an homage. Whether he had superpowers or not, or was able to unlock the scarab or not, he just wanted to honor his previous teacher. And then we come to Jaime in 2006. Jaime is a teenager, an average, normal, everyday teenager. He lives in El Paso, Texas with his parents and his younger sister Milagro. And he does normal teenage things. He's worried about girls being cool, making it through high school. And one day he's walking past a construction site with his friends Pedro and Brenda. And they happen to be talking about the crazy stuff that's going on in the world. And I do mean the DC world. So there's a bunch of stuff going down with all the superheroes in the DC universe. So the Spectre had been in a battle with Shazam. Back then he was still being called Captain Marvel. And he kind of blows up the Rock of Eternity. The Spectre does because he's kind of gone crazy. He's been tricked. So he blows up the Rock of Eternity, and when that blows up, it shatters into all these pieces, and all its secrets come spilling out. And it even, when it blows, all of these pieces of the Rock of Eternity and all these secrets go shooting across the world, really. I mean, it just went everywhere. So meanwhile, you've got Jaime and Paco and Brenda walking by this construction site, and all of a sudden, all this stuff starts raining down from the atmosphere. It looks like a meteor shower is just crashing down to Earth. Jaime, Pedro, and Brenda decide they're going to go check it out. And Jaime finds what looks like an Egyptian scarab. Like it's fallen out of the sky with all this stuff. And they're like, this is cool. Let's take it home as a souvenir from this cool stuff we just saw. I'm like, okay. Meanwhile, Booster Gold is trying to find a way for the League to find the Brother Eye satellite. If you read Infinite Crisis, then you will know that Batman created a supercomputer. It is given sentience. Alexander Luther from Earth 2, which was supposed to be gone, gives Brother Eye sentience. It 
it becomes artificial life. And Alexander Luther and Earth 2 Superman and Superboy, or to not to be a shako, decide they're going to destroy Earth 1 to bring back Earth 2 because they want to save Earth 2's lowest lane. Well, Alexander Luther has other plans. That's neither here nor there right now. Booster Gold tells Batman he's got a way that he can find the Brother Eye satellite. Because this Brother Eye satellite is somewhere up in space, but it is hidden itself. But Booster Gold knew Ted Cord, Blue Beetle, and he knew he had ways of sensing and, and seeing these certain things. And so did Dan Garrett. I mean, Dan Garrett could actually see these things. Ted Cord couldn't, so he had to build devices that could. But either way, Booster Gold's like, Ted is dead. He's gone. But that scarab has got to be around here somewhere. And if we can find this scarab and we can activate it, well then, by golly, we can find that Brother Eye satellite. Booster and his robot sidekick, Skeets, start searching for the scarab. They knew it got busted out of the Rock of Eternity and it landed somewhere, but they don't know where. So Skeets, his robot sidekick, follows a signal and it takes them to El Paso, Texas. And what we don't see till the actual Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle series starts is that in the middle of the night, when Jaime had put the scarab away in his side table drawer, the scarab had woken up and gone inside Jaime. Not creepy. The scarab embeds itself into Jaime's spine. He doesn't know it, though. So, Booster and Skeets get to Jaime's place and they're in his bedroom and Booster's like, are you sure the scarab is here? And Skeets like, yeah, affirmative. Look here, here is a trail. And like the, the scarab has walked over here and Booster's like, it did what now? It's like a piece of jewelry. Like, how did it do that? It's never done that before. And Skeets is like, I don't know what to tell you, bro, but that's what's happened. <laughs> Booster, Booster scares the crap out of Jaime. Like a 16 year old boy, okay? And you wake up in the middle of the night in this douchebag dressed in gold and blue standing above you with a floating golden robot. What do you do? Exactly. You absolutely lose your mind. <laughs> but Booster's like, listen, kid, we need your help. You know, that thing, that scarab. He's like, yeah, it's right here. Wait a minute. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. It's inside you. He's like, what? And he can start like hearing the scarab try to talk to him. Like, he's freaking out. What happened? I'm just a kid. And Booster's like, well, we need your help. Um, We need you to find satellite for us. Jaime's like, I'm a 16-year-old child. I don't know how to do that. And the scarab starts talking to him in his head. And he's like, what? Who's saying that? I do. Booster's like, whatever, you're coming with me. So Booster takes him to the Batcave. And <laughs> here's the thing. The scarab and Jaime have a symbiotic relationship. They are connected at the neural level. They are intertwined. They are one being sharing two minds. But these minds, they, they can operate in sync. But, you know, Jaime isn't used to it yet. You know, it's just happened. The first time his armor comes out, it's painful. And it scares him, justifiably so. Like, what the crap? A bunch of this black, oozy stuff comes out, and suddenly you're covered in this blue and black carapace, and you can see things you could never see before. It's pretty wild. He throws up in the bat cave. It's a whole thing. But he goes with them up into space, and he's actually able to find 
the brother eye satellite. He can see it as the scarab explains to him. The scarab's name is Kajida. The scarab explains to him that it can interrupt its vibrational frequency so that others can see it. And he does. And it also freaks him out. I mean, of course he's going to be freaked out. This is a bunch of wild <laughs> that's happening to this poor kid. While he's helping the Justice League, he starts to learn what all his suit does. But he doesn't learn everything. You know, he he gets the scarab and he's immediately taken to space and told to save all of reality. There was no time. There was no time for him to do some research or read the manual. Not that it came with one, but he's just this 16 year old kid who found something cool on the ground. And the next thing you know, some dudes waking him up taking him to space and this thing in his head starts talking to him and he can see things that other people can't and armor comes out of his skin and can blast things like it's it's just like here kid threw him into the fire immediately but after they have him help them find brother eye and he fights some omex and he makes it back to the the bug ship batman's like all right take that kid home he's done what he needs to do go home but he turns translucent and disappears just disappears they all think that he's been taken to the artificial earth too like all the other superheroes that keep disappearing but we don't see him again until we're in his his new book like his comic series and it's important to know that right before he disappeared he was standing there with john stewart green lantern and his ring was freaking out like his ring was not cool with him being that close to a green lantern and the ring kept telling him that they had to kill the green lantern we need to get away we need to get away then he disappears well then we see him crash land like he's all of a sudden he's hurtling through space this is how his new book starts his comic series so he's hurtling through space and when Jaime crash lands bam makes like a crater and everything Guy Gardner shows up and basically tries to kill him he like freaks out and ah what's going on and then he takes off and Jaime's like because you know Jaime crash lands he fights with Guy Gardner and then his armor disappears and Jaime's like I'm having a hell of a day a hell of a day so the poor kid's now naked somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Texas, and he's got to try to get home. He's like, I've been gone for a whole night. My parents are going to freak out. My mother is going to put hands on me. She's going to attack me with her chunkla. Don't get me with the chunkla. He decides he's going to start making his way home, but first he needs to find pants. And the whole time he's like arguing with the voice in his head, which is Kajida. He tries um break it into a Goodwill box to get some clothes and this man who owns the gas station where it's at shows up with a gun, but puts it away when he realizes Jaime's not a coyote. And he tells him like, if you needed clothes, son, I would have come out out here and unlocked it for you you know it's goodwill they're you know for people who need it and he thinks Jaime just crossed the border and Jaime's like no <laughs> I just got robbed you know and the guy's like well let's get you home I'm sure your parents are worried Jaime makes it back to his house and sneaks in his bedroom window only to scare the absolute daylight out of his younger sister Milagro and he's like wow you moved into my bedroom fast I was only gone at night his parents show up into the bedroom 
bedroom and everyone is freaking out. And Jaime's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know you guys must have been worried. I know I've been gone for like a whole ass night. And his parents are like, Knight, what are you talking about? You've been gone a year. How long did it take me to get back? So Jaime finds out he's been gone a solid year. How does this happen? What's going on? Like he still doesn't even know how to use this armor he's got. He doesn't know how to explain it. He tries telling his parents they don't believe him. They think he's making it up and he's on drugs or something. But he shows them the armor. And of course, it scares the absolute out of them as it absolutely would any normal person. You know, scares his little sister. He goes outside to talk to his dad and he notices dad is using a cane. He's like, Jesus, dad, what happened? He's like, ah, it's just, you know, an accident at the shop. No big deal. Okay. And his dad tells him, you know, you were pretty close to a perfect kid before you disappeared. So when you disappeared, you know, your mom just took you all the way there and you were the perfect child in her mind because, you know, why would you leave? You wouldn't just leave on your own. The perfect child would not just leave. Well, now you're back and you did leave on your own, but, you know, it's going to take your mom a minute. So maybe it's best if you just come back when I tell you to come back. He's 16. Where the f*** else is he going to go? You're just going to tell you're 16. This is the part I did not quite understand. Because he's a child. He's been gone a year. Yeah, he's got this crazy space technology or whatever attached to him. This magical armor. But why would you tell him, don't come home just yet? He's 16! And as far as I know, Jaime doesn't even have his license at this point. Like, what the crap? Next thing we know, he's slowly working his way back home and he wants to go find his friend. Well, he goes to Brenda's house and it's up for sale. No Brenda. So then he goes to find Paco. He had run into these kids, one named Damper and the other named Probe, right before he left. Like he was talking to Brenda and Paco at school and they say that they have a posse. They're with the posse, but they were using it like a proper name, like posse. The posse. The posse. A year later when he comes back and he's looking for Paco while he's, you know, at his dad's shop, that group stumbles upon him again. But that probe chick isn't with them this time. This time it's Damper, Thumper, Bonita, Bonita, and this other dude, Scour, who's really big and his sweat's like acid. Damper can put off this field like a shield to where you can't see him if he doesn't want you to or anyone that's with him within like 20 feet. So when he has that thing turned on, the only person who can see them is Jaime. So as we go through the first few issues of Blue Beetle Jaime Reyes. We start to piece together, you know, what was going on with Jaime right before he left, what was going on with him while he was up there. And his main concern is figuring out how the hell was I gone a year? What happened with that? Like I said, he runs into the posse and they explain that he did something to probe. She was trying to scan his brain and apparently the scarab reacted to protect him. 
And it did something to her. It gave her a nosebleed, broke her brain, something. Like, it did not do good to probe. And so they were like, what'd you do to probe? We've been looking for you for a year. And they pick a fight with him in the alley. And uh, he fights back and takes off. But not before he accidentally breaks Bonita's arm. And while he's running away, he realizes that that girl was pregnant. How did I know she was pregnant? How did I know? Because the scarab is constantly scanning everything and everyone around him to threat assess. It's obviously in the scarab's best interest to keep Jaime alive. So it's constantly assessing danger around him. And that's how he can know things that other people cannot. Like the fact that Bonita was pregnant. Well, come to find out... Paco runs with the posse and they're not necessarily bad guys. They're a group of meta, meta people, metas, as DC calls them, not mutants, metas. They're a group of metas that try to protect the area they live in because they feel like the Justice League is just too busy to be bothered with these street level problems. All the while, while Jaime's trying to readjust to life back home, this guy on a motorcycle is tracking him, trying to find him. And he keeps talking about the voices in his head, the visions he saw. Okay. The posse has been kind of fighting against this new kind of gang lord or whatever you want to call her that goes by the name La Dama. La Dama. And La Dama has been seeking out magical metas, mostly kids, teenagers, and snatching them up. In fact, their friend Probe was one of the people she kidnapped. She had gotten some kind of brain bleed when she tried to probe Jaime, and she ended up in the hospital. That was the last place they saw her. So they, meaning Paco, asked Jaime for his help. They're like, okay, if you want to help people too, then we need you to help us fight this Ladama. And Jaime's like, all right, I'm cool, I'm cool, I'm cool, I can help. So they go out into the middle of the desert and they find the place where Ladama has been taking all these kids. And we also learn right before this that Brenda, Jaime's other best friend, had an abusive father and that right after Jaime left, Brenda's father beat her so bad that she ended up in the hospital. And finally, she was removed from her father's care and went to live with her aunt. And shortly after that, her father died in a drunk driving incident. But she's been living with her auntie this whole time and pretty much living the high life because her aunt is freaking loaded. Like loaded. She's got a really nice place. So Jaime, Paco, and the posse are in the desert and they find the facility where Ladama has been taking all of the magical metas. Ladama is also very interested in the Blue Beetle. She doesn't know who it is or where to find it, but she's heard and seen stuff about him on the news. So she's interested. She's collecting magical metas. Jaime's showing some pretty magical stuff. So she's like, I want that kid as well. Well, they get in there and when they do, they think that Damper is going to protect them with his cool ability. But all these magical meta kids are like, hey, I see you. Then all hell breaks loose. There's this huge fight and Jaime goes into the facility to find, you know, who's who's at the bottom of this? Who's La Dama? And he goes into the office. Guess what? Dun, dun, dun. La Dama is Brenda's auntie. Yeah. 
Jaime's got a problem on his hands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's not just that. It's that that's not the only bombshell. Because after Jaime's in there and realizes this is one of his best friend's aunts. And she realizes that Jaime is her niece's BFF. This guy busts in. And it's our motorcycle friend. And it's Peacemaker. Because apparently when Peacemaker was in conduct, he sought refuge from intergang in a hole in the ground he thought was a cave he goes to grab a rock and he's like it turned out to be some kind of masonry and all of a sudden i start getting all this knowledge in my head that i didn't have before it was supposed to be like a database for the scarab but he didn't have the scarab to interface with it so he just got all the info blue beetle peacemaker team up wow that feels really inappropriate so now peacemaker's like i'm following you everywhere until i get this stuff out of my head well they find Probe and she doesn't want to leave. In fact, a lot of the people there don't want to leave because it's nice and they feel protected. And they're uh, they're with a bunch of people who are like them, you know, in that facility. They're not different from everyone else and they don't feel ostracized, isolated and singled out and picked on. I get that. But a bunch of them are like, are you saying we can leave if we want to? She's like, yeah, we can leave if, uh, if you want to. Sure. And they do. And she She's like, wow, thanks. Thank you so very much. Over half the magical metas that I've carefully been collecting and curating over the last year have now just left. No big. No big. But Auntie Ladama isn't all this altruistic. She's she's up to something. She is a kingpin. She's a crime lord. She kidnaps people. She kills people. She has nefarious purposes, but there's not much Jaime can do about it because if he tells Brenda, it's gonna like it's gonna hurt her. And he tells Ladama, he's like, Look, I don't think you want your niece to know what's going on. And she's like, Jaime, you wouldn't hurt your friend. He's like, No, Jaime wouldn't. Jaime wouldn't. Uh oh. Threats. We learn slowly what happened and why he missed that year, why he came back a year later, and why Guy Gardner was so freaked out to see him. So while they were all up in the spes and the scarab starts freaking out about the Green Lanterns and he turns translucent, we learn that he didn't disappear on and then get transported to Earth 2. We were wrong. That's what we get for assuming. That's what you get for assuming Justice League. Too bad her. He was just invisible that whole time. And the Scarab was freaking out really for no reason because it was terrified of the Green Lantern. And uh, there was a bit of a whoopsie daisy when it was sending him back because they were in this chaotic part of space. Everything was wibbly wobbly timey wimey if you will. And that's just how he got back was a year later. Like He didn't go anywhere. It's just there was a time dilation issue on his trip back. And so it kind of freaked Guy Gardner out. Like, where the did you come from? Wasn't expecting you. And it's so sad. It's really, really gut-wrenching. It's an extremely emotional scene. Like, one of the most emotional scenes I've ever seen in a comic book, if, if I'm being completely frank. Jaime is this 16-year-old boy, and this extremely shocking and traumatic thing happens to him. He's turned invisible, and the scarab pulls him out of the spaceship. And 
and he sees the spaceship start to go away and he's yelling, you know, please come back, please don't leave me to die, don't leave me to die. And he's yelling at the scarab. He's like, I want to go home, I want to go home, please, God, I want to go home. It's He was terrified. He was absolutely terrified. And when he tells the story, like everybody starts crying because you, you're picturing that being this 16 year old kid in a very traumatic situation. And you think, I mean, can you fathom space? It's infinite, infinite blackness with, you know, a couple stars here and there, infinite. And you're just left there and you have no idea what's going on. And then the next thing you know, you're zipping through it and crash landing on earth. Scary stuff, bro. Scary stuff. Jaime slowly learns things about the scarab in the armor. Very slowly. He learns that if he feels anxious or threatened in any way, the suit will react very quickly because it's preserving itself as as well. Preserving Jaime is preserving itself. So he has to be very careful and really learn how to control his thoughts and emotions because it will attack family if it feels like it, they're threatening him. He learns that it can pull out anything he can really imagine on kind of like a green lantern weapon wise he learns that it can create clothes for him and this is the crazy thing it creates clothes for him from his waist old skin cells hair poo-poos and pee-pees Honestly, Jaime doesn't have to go poo-poos and pee-pees anymore. I'm sure that that's a time saver. But going pee, just the relief of, you know, feels really good. Yeah. You'd miss it. Would you, though? I don't know. He also discovers that his stuff isn't magical. Because he's sitting on a park bench. Who else should just show up on that park bench out of thin air but the stranger? And the stranger shows up a few times. Like, he shows up when they're rescuing or trying, thinking they're rescuing those magical metas from La Dama. He shows up at his full stranger thing. But once the stranger realizes that Jaime isn't part of this new age of magic, he disappears and leaves him alone. He's like, oh, you're not one of mine. Bye-bye. See ya. And Jaime, thanks to Peacemaker, realizes that it's alien technology that's attached to his spine, not a magical artifact. And Jaime's like, that makes a buttload of sense because when the armor comes out, it's like I can feel gears under my skin. And he's asked, like, does it, does it hurt when it comes out? And he said, at first it did. It did hurt, but not so much anymore. Either he got used to it, got used to controlling it, or the scarab realized he was causing him pain and found a way to circumvent that. That's nice. So it's through Peacemaker that he discovers it is ancient alien technology. And then he tracks down Dan Garrett's granddaughter, Danielle Garrett, Danny Garrett. My name's kind of boring, I think, so it's kind of neat seeing it in a comic book. He meets up with 
Danny Garrett and she tells him all she knows about the scarab and that they had never ever realized that the scarab had any technology to it. They just thought it was a piece of jewelry. That's that's what they thought. I'm like, oh, this does stuff? Neat. But she tells him that it's actually mine. I mean, it makes it a little different that it's attached to your spine, but it's mine. Mine. Then there was that super fun time that La Dama was collecting magical people and magical things or things she thought were magical. One night she doesn't realize that her niece, Brenda, was home. <laughs> and she walks through the house with fire from the Justice League. And Brenda was like, oh my God, my aunt knows fire. I'm going to see if I can get an autograph. So she tries to follow him, but ends up in the room she believes they were in. And on her auntie's desk is a box with a big, like, button on it. And she's like, oh... What is this? What is this? So she messes with it. And then there's a big boom. And Brenda's gone. Uh-oh. Maybe you should have not been keeping secrets from your niecekins. So stuff like this does not happen. The aunt realizes that, whoopsie doodles, my niece Brenda's gone. And so she calls Jaime and Paco. And they come over to help find out what's going on. Now they don't like each other. Because she's not exactly a good guy. And they're always kind of foiling her dastardly deeds. But they all want to get Brenda back. So that's taking precedence. Jaime's messing with the box. And like, oh, let me see what I can do here. And it opens up. And in he goes. Into the boom tube. It's a mother box. Takes him to this planet. We see Brenda. And her red hair loveliness kind of trying to shake off what's happened. She knows she's somewhere else and it's very strange and the air is weird and she's struggling to like, you know, hold on to her thoughts. And these cute little like muskrat things come up. They're called ratlings. And she can't understand what they're saying. They say, beep, 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 beep. But what they're actually saying is actually very hilarious. They're little shitheads. And they say, well, this one's dumb. But I think she's the chosen one. Are you sure? Yeah, totally. She's the chosen one. So they're like, come with us, come with us. And they take her to this clearing and there's a statue with red hair. And they're like, oh my God, am I God here? That's so cool. And they're like, and now the sacrifice, we shall drink her blood and take in her power. And they were like, what? And they started attacking her and like biting her and everything. And this guy comes out of nowhere and attacks them. But she thinks he's going to attack her too. And, Turns out he's one of the new gods. And then another one shows up, Metron in the Mobius chair. And this place was originally meant for people of New Genesis in case something happened on New Genesis and they needed a place to escape. But this race known as the Reach used it as a trap. They figured it would be a lot easier to find and kill the new gods, the people of New Genesis, if they just brought them all to one place and killed them. So they took their little refuge planet and they made it one giant death trap, including poisonous fruit, you know, neurotoxins and all this other crap, and just 
let them lead themselves to their their own doom. Mm -hmm. Jaime meets up with them and they explain what's going on, what that place is. He tells the new gods how they got there and that the box itself seemed to be in pain. Loner and Metron tell them, well, the one who created the box, the, the one who the box belonged to, she's gone. So you'll just have to tell the box that she's gone. You need to let go and the box will. Like, okay, but first we need to make sure that this place isn't a death trap anymore so people can come here. Okay. So they do and then they go home and Brenda realizes that her aunt and Jaime know each other and that's awkward. Jaime's family knows that he's Blue Beetle. His two best friends know. And Paco has set him up with a couple of tech guys. He ends up getting him like a, it's like a virtual lair, like a virtual headquarters. So if they need computer stuff done, they call up these two in a chat room and handle it that way. So he's got a couple guys in the chat. And that's kind of cool. But I really like his origin story because it's really slow over time. He's not a Mary Sue by any means. He wasn't, he didn't go seeking these powers. He wasn't born with them. It was a complete and total accident. So he was not prepared in any sense. As soon as he gets these abilities, he's thrown into the scariest situation imaginable. Like if you do not find this satellite that no one else can see, all of reality will disappear. It's terrifying. And he's still, like, that's not even really his origin story. That's like the beginning of his origin story. It really takes him a long time to get used to it because he's just an ordinary kid. He's funny. He's sarcastic. He really cares about his family. When he finds out, that his father's accident at the shop wasn't really an accident per se, that this loser guy that he kept telling his dad to fire, like, dad, fire this guy. He's a loser. He's drunk. I will come work weekends part-time if you get rid of him. His dad's like, all right, we'll see this summer. And then while Jaime was gone, this guy, Luis, loser, owed a gang some money and the gang showed up at, the garage to collect on it and Jaime's dad got in between them and he got shot. Now he has to walk with the cane like it ruined everything. And his mom, who's a nurse, she has to kind of pick up the financial slack. That really weighed on Jaime. That and the fact that Paco now runs with this posse to help the poor people in his area, but they're they're not a gang in the sense that they're not selling drugs. And they're not knocking over stores. But the way they go about things isn't always the best way and the most legal, nonviolent way. And then what happened to Brenda, he takes all of that to heart. And it weighs on him very heavy. And Paco tells him, he's like, hey, did we miss you? Yes, absolutely. We wished you were here because you always have a way to make things Better. You have a way to make people feel better. But what happened to all of us while you were gone was absolutely not your fault. It didn't happen because you were gone. 
And I find that very endearing. He's much like Peter Parker, Miles Morales, and Kamala Khan in Marvel Comics. He's a kid. He's kind of a nerd. He's a fan of the superhero stuff. But it's almost like it, it wasn't meant for him. It was meant for him, but he was completely unprepared. Completely. And it took him quite a while to get the hang of it. Jaime didn't just join the DC Universe. He left an indelible mark on it. His Hispanic representation, his nerdy representation, his average Joe representation. It's very, very important to this world. It was something that was seriously lacking in DC. He's more lighthearted. I said he's funny. A lot of sarcasm. And he brings that breath of fresh air that only a kid can bring because of his naivety, his his innocence. He's a blank slate. He's a fresh face. You know, Batman and his kids, they're all broody and jaded and bitter and have all this trauma and rich. And here's Jaime, who's a kid from a impoverished area, not a super great wealthy area. His family is very middle class. It was something that was really needed in the DC universe. Jaime's journey as Blue Beetle isn't just a tale of power and heroism. It's a testament to the resilience of a teenager thrust into an extraordinary role. His heritage and his relatable struggles that he faces every day make him a very relatable character and very inspiring at the same time. His story really showcases how even the most unexpected individuals can become heroes and how the human spirit can rise above even the most alien challenges. And on top of who Jaime is as an individual, you also have the source of Jaime's powers, the alien scarab. It's, it isn't just a piece of tech. It's a sentient being with its own agenda that doesn't always align with Jaime's. This sets up a very unique internal conflict where Jaime has to really grapple with the scarab's ancient programming by the reach who were not a heroic alien race. They were assholes. They were assholes bent on universal domination. They had created the scarabs to infiltrate planetary societies from the inside out to kind of pave the way for them when they show up with their invasion force. His scarab armor, the programming, isn't supposed to have non-violent programming. It learns it from Jaime. Anytime he's in a situation where the scarab insists that he kill someone, Jaime tells him, that's not how my mom raised me. It's a good kid. He's a really good kid. This battle of wills adds layers to the character of Blue Beetle, and it showcases his resilience in the face of adversity. His best friends, Paco and Brenda, and his little sister, Milagro, are his anchors in the chaotic storm of his superhero journey. His series is rooted deeply in his familial and friendship bonds. It's these relationships that ground him with his family and his friends that remind us that there is a teenage kid behind this cobalt armor that's trying to navigate the tricky terrain of balancing this new super-powered super responsibility with 
the responsibilities of friendship and family. And high school. She still has tests to take, man. It's difficult. And it is a legacy. It's not just him. He's he's living up to the name of Ted Cord and Dan Garrett. And it's something that he does take to heart. And I believe that that is a virtue that was instilled in him from his parents. With Jaime's suit, it's like a super-powered, armor-plated, weapon-creating Siri or Alexa. He can do literally anything. He can fly. He can create weapons with power blasts, uh, stabbing weapons. He can build technology. He can translate anything, scan anything, speak any language. The possibilities are so endless and beyond with Blue Beetle. It makes him one of the most powerful characters in all of the DC Comics universe. And that's kind of crazy if you think about it, because it's in the hands of a kid. He clashes with the likes of Intergang, the Brotherhood of Blood, Wadama, Dr. Polaris when he was with the Teen Titans. He was a part of Young Justice. He's teamed up with Peacemaker and Booster Gold. That's a pretty cool team up right there because together they're hilarious. He thinks Booster's an idiot and he is. I love Booster Gold. I do love Booster Gold. Like he's the one character that takes his PR skills a lot more seriously than his crime fighting skills. Comic cons, online forums, social media platforms. The Blue Beetle fandom thrives in every corner of the universe. Fans decked out in Blue Beetle shirts, scarab accessories, unite to discuss the latest story arcs, speculate about the scarab origins, and of course, engage in heated debates about which Blue Beetle is the ultimate champ. And don't forget about the cosplayers, okay? Blue Beetle fandom isn't just about reading the comics. It's about embodying our hero. From crafting intricate scarab-armored suits to perfecting those blue hues. Cosplayers transport us to a universe where anyone can be a hero. And let's not forget, where there's fandom, there are fan theories. And Blue Beetle enthusiasts are no different. From unraveling the deepest scarab secrets, to speculating about crossover events with other heroes, the fandom's ability to concoct wild, witty, and sometimes surprisingly accurate theories adds a layer of excitement to each new comic release. In the digital age, artistic expressions know no limits. DeviantArt, Tumblr, Instagram, these platforms become cosmic canvases as fan artists breathe life into Blue Beetle in stunning illustrations, fan comics, and even animations. The fandom's creativity is just as diverse as the Scarab's abilities, proving that inspiration can truly come from every corner of the universe. At the heart of the Blue Beetle fandom, there is a deep sense of community that spans galaxies. Fans support one another, share their fan art, and create spaces where anyone who loves the Scarab's cobalt glow is welcome. It's a Scarab brotherhood and sisterhood, a cosmic connection that reminds us we're never alone in our quest to explore the cosmos of comics.
Cosmics. So whether you're a devoted follower of the Cosmic Scarab tech or a newbie just discovering the wonders of the Blue Beetle universe, one thing is clear. The fandom's vibrant, passionate, witty spirit unites fans from every corner of the world, from online forums to convention floors, from fan art to fan theories, the Blue Beetle fandom proves that the cosmic scarab's glow isn't limited to the pages of a comic book. It shines brightly inside each and every fan. And on Young Justice, Batman the Brave and the Bold, and now a Blue Beetle, and now a major motion picture starring Zolo Merdueña from Kai. And let me tell you something, as someone who watched it, he freaking killed it. He is Jaime Reyes. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good comic book movie. I thought it was a good Blue Beetle movie. I think there's a lot of people right now who are in solidarity of the WGA, WGA and SAG strike. And not just that, there's a lot of people who just have no hope for comic book movies and kind of enjoy hating everything so they don't go. But I felt like Blue Beetle was a bit of a breath of fresh air. And Zolo really nailed Jaime's personality. I really feel that. His character is older. He's about 22 years old while Jaime in the comics gets the scarab at 16 years old. But he still had that same vulnerability, devotion to family and friends. He is Jaime. I I enjoyed it. And I think we're going to get more. I hope we get more. I love Blue Beetle. I think it's great. DC Comics needed a Peter Parker. It did. And I'm glad we have one. But that's all I have for you today, guys, on Jaime Reyes's Blue Beetle. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please help me out and sacrifice that like button to the algorithm gods. Make sure you're still subscribed because sometimes YouTube gets ideas and removes people whenever they feel like it. And make sure you have that notification bell so you get notified when I'm back with more of these breakdowns. And if you would like to help and support the channel, please check out some of the links I have below. We have merch, we have Patreon, and we do have Buy Me a Coffee where you can tip us as little or as much as you like. Again, nerdlings, I'm Danny Sansi. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you have a wizard weekend and I will see you in the next one. Stay nerdy, babies. Bye.